Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Eric. I teach people how to raise livestock on the land. And I teach people the Bible. I play a little banjo. And I play bass. I'm a passionate bow hunter. And I'm a die-hard Badgers fan. Together we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus. And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. Well, it looks, sounds, and feels like Easter outside. Yeah, it was. I was talking to uh, Les about it, and it was like, it's the first Easter in like a few years that really felt like Easter. I feel like we've had snow the past couple that I can remember. Yeah, I know yesterday we spent quite a bit of time in the car driving around Wisconsin uh, to see family and my wife, I think, at one point said something like, don't count on every Easter being like this. It was beautiful. It was kind of one of those where it was like right from the time you woke up, you're like, ah, it's going to be a good day today. Those yeah. are great days to have. For sure. And I think today is more of the same. Sounds like we have a couple days like that coming yeah. up. This week, I think, is is going to be a reprieve for a lot of us. Like, I don't know if reprieve is the right word, but just kind of like, a, yeah, a reward yeah. for like the past month of just kind of spring being teased, but then pulled out from underneath us over and over again. And so this week, it's like we finally get that payoff of like true spring warm weather. So yeah. it's exciting. Yeah, I love how spring just feels. I mean, it's so appropriate for Easter. Yes. Like everything kind of renewed, renewed hope. Um, it, and it just even sounds like that outside when the birds start showing up again. And yeah, it's for, for me, it's, it's like, um, I think the best metaphor is like, we have two dogs, so like they spend all the time inside. And so like during the winter, it's like that dog smell just kind of permeates no matter what we do. We like clean pretty meticulously and Febreze and all that stuff. But it's like, it just kind of always smells like dog. And then yesterday we could open all the windows and it was like that dog smell. You could just feel it leaving the house and having some freshness. And it's, uh, to me, that's just such a great metaphor for Easter and spring and all that, just that freshness, that newness coming in and just how revitalizing it is to feel like, the air is actually clean. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. Actually, we kept the window open all night, and I, I just love the sounds in the morning. One of my other favorite things is washing the sheets and hanging them outside. What I found, though, like that's like a very like uh, nostalgic thing for mm-hmm. me, I think. But yeah. I have found that there's it's a thing that people actually don't like that. Really? Like laundry um, hung outside, like the smell of it after that. Really? The, yeah, because I I saw someone, I think, comment a while back that like this is a year or two ago that like their dryer broke and they hung all their laundry outside and they like couldn't stand it. Wow. And, and then I thought everyone would be like, oh, how can you not stand it? But there were like multiple people who are like, I'm with you. Well, those people need Jesus, I think, because that's like, I don't know how you cannot enjoy, I mean, because that's all it is, is just freshness. Like, that's the only thing. Maybe they're just like, uh, you know, addicted to the chemicals of the dryer sheets or something, because... It's just like people who prefer um, store-bought fake 
maple syrup over actual maple syrup. I was just talking to somebody about that on Sunday. My wife, Les, that's what she wants, like the cheap maple syrup. The Aunt Jemima's. Yeah. I think for her, though, it's a nostalgic thing because it reminds her of childhood. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it's a consistency thing for a lot of people. But that is one of those things that's hard for me to... um, Comprehend. Yeah, Yeah. comprehend. It's kind of like people who prefer Oreo cookies over fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies. Like, they're not even in the same ballpark. I know. Well, and it could... I think a lot of it is just nostalgic. And I think about that sometimes, too, of, like, how much of what we prefer has nothing to do with, like, actual quality. It just... It sparks, like that remembrance of when we were kids and they, I I saw this thing that's like, like our generation is like one of the most nostalgic where we really, we really enjoy things that remind us of our childhood. Um, and I don't know if that's accurate or not. That's definitely for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a huge, I think, I think I do it to a a fault where I, I maybe lay it on a little too thick sometimes. And I've been told that before, but (laughs) I guess I don't care because I like it. Exactly. And I could be have to do with like our generation was that generation that kind of lives in multiple worlds where we truly did grow up where it was still like you played all day and like you just knew to come home at five and your parents didn't really know where you were and you had that freedom and then like the internet came out like right when we were like middle school high school so we still like learned how to do it and are very affluent with technology but we still have the memory of like completely pre-technology And we're really kind of the only generation either the people a little older than us, like never really became affluent with technology where it's a core part of their life. And the generation like younger than us, they grew up in technology was always a part of their life. And we're this weird like crossbreed of that. And so I think like for us, like when we have think back to our childhood, it is truly like a completely different world than what we live in right now. And um, so I think like, I don't know. I don't think you should be ashamed of enjoying that because it's a weird that dynamic makes raising kids right now weird because like there's a lot of things that I want my kids to learn to appreciate that I remember appreciating from mm-hmm. childhood. Yep. But they're they're not the allure of, of those things isn't what it was then because there's things now that have a lot more allure. Yep. And so there's certain things that our kids have that don't have that allure now, but there's also things they don't have that a lot of other kids do. And I don't want, that's not what this is about, but it is kind of an interesting dynamic. It makes parenting, it, it adds a fold of difficulty into parenting right now to sort of figure out like, what do they need and what don't they need? Like, what are some things that they could have or that a lot of other kids have that, doesn't necessarily benefit them to have it. I can only imagine how hard it is to try to navigate that. Cause I think we're in this weird spot too, where like, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't know if I can say for the first time in human history, but it, it is definitely odd that we're in this, this time in our country where if like something is off or doesn't feel right, it very rarely needs anything added to it it almost always like needs something subtracted. And that is just a 
difficult thing for us to do because we're very hardwired because the vast majority of human history we've lived with very little and so it's always like how can I get a little bit more that's going to help and for most of human history it is because we were struggling to just have enough food and have shelter over our heads so that drive for like a little bit more was really good but now we're in this place where it's like we have so much that we can't even find what's important in the midst of everything we have. So it's like, it's the subtracting of things that's actually beneficial, but we're not good at that. That's not what we've been hardwired to do. And so it's like this new skill that we have to develop is that that art of subtracting. And um, it goes against our brain wiring because we're wired to push for a little bit more for our own survival. And so I think that's why nostalgia is so amazing because you go, at least for our generation, you go back to when things were simpler. Like that's really what it is, is back when things were simple. And, um, and so I think that's why we are just so in love with that. Like every like season, like whether it's Christmas or Halloween or whatever, I see these videos of like uh, a compilation of pictures from things from like the nineties, like like for Halloween, like just pictures of like the, the like Lunchables that were like Halloween, like inspired. And it's like, you watch it and you're just like transformed back to when you were a kid of all those things. And so I'm the same way. Well, so back in winter when there was one Packer game that we couldn't get, um, because it was on ESPN. And so I signed up for the, Disney Plus, like Hulu package or whatever, just so we could watch that game. And then we decided to keep it because we discovered that, well, first of all, my, a couple of my boys like watching hockey games. So they would, they, so I'm like, all right, we'll keep it for a while. But then we discovered that Home Improvement was on there, like all the series of Home Improvement. And so I started watching it because it took me back. Mm -hmm. And my kids, like, somehow clung on to it now they ask to watch it and and when i watch that it's like boy this really is like the humor from then was a lot simpler than it is now and it just you know even little nuances during that show that that world is quite a bit different than the world right now and i'm kind of surprised that the kids even find it entertaining right but they like it so well and again because i do think that there is like you said it's hard to navigate and it's hard to know what to cut out but i think all of us even even kids they they understand like that there's there's a, a real need for things to be simpler than they are right now like i think we all feel the complexity even if we can't put it into words we feel like man something's not right it's like we, we, I always think of it as like, if there's like a, a stew that you're making it, like there, there hits a level where you've put way too much seasoning in it and way too many things that like more seasoning is not going to fix it, right. but you keep kind of tasting it and going, ah, this isn't right. And you're trying to do it, but you're literally making it worse. And at some point it's like, you have to add like a, a cream or something that mellows yeah. everything out. But I feel like we're still just at that point where we're still just trying to add more seasoning, figure out what's wrong. That's a good it. analogy because it's like 
when you add in that thing that takes it over the line and you're like, ooh, boy, mm-hmm. this is not good. Yeah. It's you can't take that out. Right. Well, it's there, in there. Well, and do you? But that's so. That's what I always thought. And I think that that's what most of us think is like you, well, once it gets too complicated, you're just stuck. But then I watch, um, Les and I watch Food Network together. Mm-hmm. You can take, if, if there's like a soup or something that's like you've over seasoned, it's mm-hmm. too salty or whatever, you can take a potato and like cut it into pieces and boil the potato in it. And the potato will absorb that seasoning, and then yeah. you can take the potato out, and it literally like mellows it out. So that that's where I was going. Oh, with I, it I interrupted no, you. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. But like, so once that's in there, you can't take it out. You can't take the seasoning out. Right. So now you have to. The only way to fix it is by adding other stuff in, mm-hmm. and it it so it's kind of this weird thing of like. Maybe that maybe that's where this analogy goes off the rails a little bit because like let's just follow it. I love taking <laughs> analogies to where they're too far. <laughs> you have no then. idea where yeah, you're going. Yeah, exactly. With it. That's one of my favorite hobbies, actually. But like, you have to dilute it out somehow. Yes. And you have to like like the number one thing is like first of all, just don't believe the lie that there is nothing you can do because that's like that's what most of us believe is like up oh, life is too complicated, but. And, and I feel like we keep going back to this idea of like too much, but I, I think that that's because it is so prevalent right now. And I think that for the average person listening, like they're experiencing this. And I think we're all trying to work through this because there's no easy fix. So here's something I'm going to kind of throw a little bit of a rant. We had no, we didn't talk about talking about this. So. Not at all. Nope. So... Is it an issue of being too much or is it an issue of being too many of the wrong things or, you know, is it an issue of not enough of the right stuff? You know what I mean? It, is it a priority issue? Because in that analogy we just used, we didn't necessarily solve the issue by taking stuff out. Right we solve the issue by putting the right things in. Yeah. And I honestly, when I look around and I hear people, I'm just, I'm trying to think now, when did I just have a conversation? I'm, I'm recalling a conversation I had last week where I kind of had to, I was afraid I was going to sound like I was being unsympathetic Mm -hmm about an issue and, and it regarded people. Oh, it was one, there was this meeting for my job that brought together a whole bunch of people to start focusing on this issue of the food chain. And there's lots of issues in the food chain right now, especially, I mean, worldwide, but in the United States and it's everything from like our soil and water resources diminishing, but also human health. So like all these things are trending in a very bad direction. And the problem is, is there's no one place in the entire food chain to look at it and say, there's the problem. That's where we focus on it. So we've been having these conversations to try to figure out like what they call them as nodes in the food chain. What are the ones that we're going to focus on that will help, that will make the most beneficial change Mm -hmm. right now? And people brought up, people's 
relationships with food right now. Mm. The average person's relationship with food and people just don't, people have a convoluted view of like what's good for them and what isn't. And they have convoluted food priorities. So if you look at like what things are trending, it's like have a box of meals show up that has everything pre measured out or not going to nice restaurants like people like good eating experiences but they don't like putting in the effort to make it happen themselves and so that's as far as their priorities go and someone was like well people just don't have time and I was like I'm sorry but I don't really buy into that excuse because I think it's a priority thing I mean if someone says they don't have time because they have golf league four nights a week it's a priority thing. Yeah. And and sorry to use that as an example to anyone listening. I'm not sure. trying to pick on that because I have my own things yeah. that I choose to fill my time with as well. But I think we all have things that we fill our time with that that time could be better used doing something else. So I don't necessarily think that it's always a matter of having too much. It's a matter of having too much of the wrong things or not enough of the right things. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think I even want to like, so there's a difference between time and energy. And I think for most people, they have time. There's, there's a couple hours at the end of the day that they could do things, but they are emotionally, they got nothing Mm -hmm. in the tank. And I think that's almost worse because then you start to get frustrated with yourself and you start to blame your and, and it spirals. And that's that's the problem that I see with myself is like if I was being honest, do I have time? Yes. But do I have emotional energy? No. By the time I get to the end of the day, I'm usually like just staring and Les will look in my eyes and be like, Oh, you're cooked. And I'm like, Yeah, I got it. you know. Maybe a better way of saying yeah. what you said is, Do I have time? No. Should I have time? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well and or I'll say, Do I have time? Yes. Do I have anything in the tank? No. no. Like that's the problem yeah. is I got, and, and so like I'm, you know, as, as a, as a pastor, this is really interesting and I try not to talk too much about it on this podcast. So it's cause it's more common, but just to help people understand as far as burnout goes, I am probably in the career with the highest rate of burnout right now. Like it, it a year ago, two years ago, um, a very respected, um, polling company polled pastors and 75 percent of them i believe don't quote me on that said that they had actively in the past month thought about stepping down from their ministry seven out of ten so like burnout is a horrific real everyday problem and the problem is like when it comes to burnout it's not about having too much to do it's about too much of what you do you don't believe in That's like the problem. That's what eats your soul is not like, oh, I have things to do. It's I have all these things to do that I don't believe in. That aren't fulfilling. They're not fulfilling. And and I'm I'm almost betraying myself every day. And that's what's what really just sucks your energy and your soul. And I've never seen someone who believes fully in what they do burn out. It's always the there's so much of what I do that I don't see value in that I know isn't really worth much. And I still give so much of myself to it. That betrayal of just what you, your soul knows has value. That's what steals the most. 
but the problem is 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 we live in this world where we are told that everything is important everything's important everything is like you better do this or you're missing out or your you know your kids aren't going to get what they they're not going to grow up right unless you do this and this and this and this and so we're constantly being told that there's a thousand things that are valuable and so we do them but like in our soul we know they're not it's and like these things the that we trick ourselves into believing and we yeah. know that we're tricking ourselves but we still do it yeah, it's the betrayal of your your own soul. That's that's really that's what burnout and that's. I mean, where how many people have insecurities based on stuff that they see on social media? And maybe maybe I'm gonna sound, you know, maybe that's almost like becoming a cliche example now. But like, how many people have an insecurity based on that? And they know it's irrational because it's pretty well talked about now. It's talked right. about more and more now than it was five years ago. Yeah. But they do it anyway. And and I shouldn't say they, we. Yeah. We do it anyway. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it's like this is a like this is a perfect time of year right now for me as a pastor. Cause so for Easter, those of you who don't know, Easter is like the gauntlet of insecurities for pastors. Cause that's all you see is every church. And how they are outdoing each other. It's it's actually a very ugly time to, for me because you see, it's like everyone is competing and everyone's like, well, we're doing this and and we're doing that, and you feel very much like, well, we're not doing that and mm-hmm. we're not. And so it is so tempting to be like, well, man, I gotta I gotta put a bunch of energy into this because all these other churches are doing it and they hired a photographer to get the perfect picture to show how successful their church is. And, and it is really easy to get lost in that. But the problem is then you have, you're putting energy into something that in your heart, you don't really see the value in. You're just doing it because someone else made it seem important to you. And that's what really robs you. That's what really sucks your, your soul. Um, and I know that that might sound dramatic, but for those who have experienced that kind of burnout, like that's exactly what it is. And that's the problem I see is not even that people don't have enough time. It's that they're in this, this state of giving energy to things that they don't believe in. And so not only do you have to give the energy, so you're losing that energy that you give to that, but then that betrayal of yourself robs you of even more. And now you're stuck to where even when you have time, you're just sitting there scrolling on your phone because your soul is just dry and you have nothing to give. And I think that's the bigger problem for most of us is most of us live lives of really betraying our own heart and our own soul. And um, I know this is sounding overly dramatic, but that's really what I believe is the biggest problem right now is not necessarily a time problem. It's a, I think, I think a lot of us are living in some state of mild burnout of some kind. Yeah. And I guess what I was thinking as you were saying that is think about this time of year. So what we started this podcast talking about, like right now you look outside, the sun's shining, the sun is hitting you right now. Mm. I'm sure that feels good, doesn't it? It feels amazing. And there's birds chirping outside. You can almost watch it greening up mm-hmm. <laughs> as we sit here. It's a changing season. We've come out of a long winter. We just had Easter mm-hmm. yesterday. It was a beautiful day for Easter. Like there's a lot of things to just be grateful for. Absolutely. 
but we miss it because we're numbed by all of this. I'm going to use the word crap because yeah. that's what it is yeah. that we just allow to pile up around us. And all we can do is just like trudge through it. Yes. Well, it is. And, and we're in this state of, okay, like, so when you're, when you're burned out, even if it's a mild state, what you want to seek is some form of comfort. Like that's the, like, that's what you're seeking is like, I'm so exhausted. Um, I just want some form of comfort and that there's not any, really anything wrong with that. Cause it is like it, for most of human history, if you went out and really worked your tail off, uh, a form of comfort was good for you. But the well, problem when is Jesus, when Jesus, left the masses for the wilderness that's what he was doing that's exactly it's like i gotta get out of this it is but the problem is that then we just get into that mode of we're just always seeking comfort and then that's where you know society can swoop in and say i got you here's all the numbing comfort you could possibly want and now we're in this cycle where we numb ourselves and comfort ourselves so that we can keep doing stuff we don't actually believe in. So we get more just burned out and more down. And so we need more comfort and more numbing. And now it's like you could have all the time in the world. You could have a full Saturday, 16 hours, and you just sit there because you're so numbed and you're so burned out. And it's like that's the problem. I truly believe it's not a time thing. Most of us have some time. It's it's a I don't even know if I want to say an energy problem. It's a it's a soul problem. And that's that's what I was getting at is um, I even think that things that people think that they do for enjoyment on let's just go to the Saturday thing. Someone yeah. has a free Saturday and yeah. the thing that they think they're doing for themselves may not necessarily be benefiting them or be fulfilling them even yeah and most of us are most of us don't even know what we need and and we're just kind of grasping at straws to find something that's going to make us feel some i have i have friends that i kind of grew up and and we played video games me and my friends did and that was like we do halo land parties and all that and and I've talked to friends where they are. They're like, I have a Saturday. And so I'm like, just, I want to feel some sort of fun in my life. So I'll turn on a video game and it's like, I'm playing and I'm literally going like, I don't even know why I'm doing this, but it's like the one thing that I could think of that maybe, but even as I'm doing it, I'm just numb. There's no real enjoyment, but it's just, I'm trying to recreate the time in my life where I felt something. And that's the saddest part is so many people, it's like, I, I don't just, I don't have any better ideas. This is the one thing that I thought maybe would make me feel something. Boy, that's, yeah. And we see that all the time. And I thought you were going to say something about this before, but like even in the church, like that's where we start to get expectations that maybe aren't realistic or aren't appropriate for the situation that we're currently in because we're using either another church as an example or a previous time in our life. And I think a lot of, whether it's in the church or outside of the church, whether it's a Christian or a non-believer, like people in general um, end up just discontent mm -hmm. because you're always using the wrong thing 
to measure your current situation against. Well, and it's what you're trying to do is you're trying to recreate. And that's I come up against that a lot in the in the church where people have strong opinions about what we need to do and how it needs to look. And as you talk to them, you realize like, oh, like you had a great experience 20 years ago and you're trying to recreate that. But the problem is like, like even if I go back to the video game example, like the reason that you had so much joy when you were younger playing a video game wasn't because of the video game. It was because like you were following your heart. That was like, that was fun to you. And you were like, you know what? This is a fun thing. I'm going to do it. And there, that's where the joy was, is you had that freedom yeah. to do that. It wasn't really the video game. It's like, you're not missing the video game. You're missing that part of you that was like, follow your soul. Like, do something that matters to you. Do something that truly makes sense to you. And it's the same even with church things. It's like, the reason that that time of your life at church was so powerful was not because you sang this style of song or you had this kind of get together or whatever. It was because you were in a state where like you were all in on what was going on in the church and God was moving in your life. That's what made it great. Well, and, it was like yeah. you, you had nothing to measure it up against yeah. at the time. Yeah. I can think of a lot of examples in life that are like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so in the church example, it's like when you're when you're first pursuing the Lord, that experience is going to be very impressionable on you. But it, it it's largely because you're not comparing it against a previous experience. Um, holidays are a prime example. Lots of people, as they grow toward our age and beyond, become discontent with holidays because they can never measure up to previous experiences. Yeah. But those previous experiences weren't being measured up against anything yes well and also it's like we think of like you know going back to the video of like christmases when we were young it's like they were magical because the adults in our life were making them happen for us right. it was magic when we were a kid is one day everything looked a certain way and the next day you woke up and it was a winter wonderland well a lot of adults were putting in work behind yeah. the scenes to make that happen. And it's like, now we're the adults. So it's not going to be as fun or as magical because like we're the ones making the magic for the younger people. But I, I think like that's for me, it's it's so funny because like you said, we didn't even talk about talking about this. Can I, I want to use one more example Do like it. that. And I'm going to use our beloved football team that wears green and gold. <laughs> yep, yep. So at the earliest reaches of our childhood, they were pretty bad. Yes. Like we got excited because they had the magic man as the quarterback. And, mm -hmm. um, but they came out of some pretty bad seasons. And then all of a sudden they started having success. And then they went to a Super Bowl. And now we've spent a couple decades griping yep. over a team that's been pretty darn good, to, like enviable to most other teams because so at that time like we were just exuberant because all of a sudden they're winning after lots of years of being bad there was nothing to measure up against right and so we were happy with that but then we became increasingly discontent because we got a taste of that really good moment and we were measuring everything back up against that and it's like we have very short memories yes so we're, we end up being very short-sighted. And, and, and that is, you know, 
all of that is without addressing the other part of like going back to the holiday thing of like, what's everyone going to do on Sunday night when they're tired after a long day of what, whatever they did for Easter, they're going to scroll social media mm-hmm. and see all the pictures of everyone. Oh, look how she's dressed or yeah. look at what hit, look what he has or, right. and start feeling really bad about themselves yeah. because they're, they don't have what everyone else apparently has right and we know better but we do do it anyway well i think it's like you can't trick your soul like you can trick your mind like but it i think what happens is like we allow other people to tell us what's important and i mean it's one thing to be like okay someone helps us see scripturally that this thing we're missing is important but what it, like like society very much will try to tell you this is important but the problem is like you can trick your mind into thinking like okay i should put my time and energy into this because it's important but like your your soul you can't trick and if you live a life in which a lot of your time is spent on things that at your core you don't believe in like your soul will pay the price for that and i feel like that's what we are seeing right now i feel like if a person honestly wrote down where their energy went in a day and they were forced to honestly say what percentage of these things do you truly believe matter that really at your core you know matter i think we would be really sad to see how low of a percentage that is and it's like no wonder our souls are are at the state that they're in they're forced to do things and again we can trick our mind but it's really hard to trick your soul it knows what matters and um i think that that's the that's the hardest part to see and to walk through and i think we're all having to walk through that right now so so what you just said what matters yeah so you talked about that in the sermon yesterday yep there's only three things that matter. Yeah, there's only three things that are going to last. Yeah, and, and the word that you used that really stuck in my mind all day was remain. Yeah. The word remain. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very um, applicable to this conversation that we're having. Yeah. Because, you know, we we tend to get sidetracked and, and lose focus on all these things around us and we fail to remain in the one thing that matters or in the in what really matters. Yep. And it and it all comes down to just three things that are gonna remain. Absolutely. Well and I think of it as like I think so often we think of how tired we are is is equally related to the amount of work that we do. And I just don't think that's the case. I think you can like, like we talked on Sunday about how there's there's certain things that will actually last. That anything we build on God's love lasts because God's love will remain. It will never, ever go away. So if it's built on that foundation, it's going to last. And then everything else is in some version of withering away. Like it's in, it's, it's in the process of withering and dying right now already. And it's like, 
if, if you were, you know, a handyman and somebody paid you to work on a house and it's like, if there's one that was literally in a bog and it's actively sinking and it's sideways and every day it's slower in and it's like, I want you to work 16 hours a day on this house and I want you to do the best work you can. You're going to walk away and you're going to feel terrible afterwards because you're literally watching your work sink into the bog every day and you're going to not believe in what you're doing so you're like this is pointless and you could have another house that's on really good foundation the person's like i want to leave this for my grandchildren work on this house every day that same 16 hours of work is going to feel different it just is because you're going to believe in it you're going to see the value in it and i think that going back to these, these two things do relate Easter's message. And this is it's like just choosing to truly put your time and energy into the things that, you know, matter. And there it's actually a lot less than you might think that truly will stand the test of time and matter. So basically in the end, it's faith, hope, and love. That's it. That's all. And I wonder how many, if we truly did, an inventory of the energy that we use every day. How many of those could we put on? Like these are built on faith, hope, or love. And how many of them are built on something else? And when I do that, even in my own life as a pastor, you'd think, well, like, oh, you're for sure. All of your stuff is. And it's like, no, there's a ton of stuff that I see that I'm like, this is not built on any of those three things. And then that's why we wonder why we're always feeling so run down. It's like, work is not equal like it's it depending on where your work is going and how much you believe in it it's going to feel very very different to you i think what's also interesting is how those three three things are so interconnected if you try to have two of them it's not gonna it might work a little bit for a little while yeah but it's not gonna last absolutely and so those three things really have to go together The, the other thing that I thought of as you were talking about that yesterday is just talking about what love means. Loving others and loving Jesus, those aren't like additional commands. They're not, he's not saying like, on the, you know, here's all the things that I'm asking you to do and now I'm asking you to do these on top of it. They're basically they go hand in hand. They, they go along, they're part of God's love. And, and I guess maybe what I'm trying to say, hopefully I'm not getting too confusing on that, but loving God and loving others, it's like a reciprocal thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. It, 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 I don't know if you can really be in God's love without that love overflowing to other people. Right. It's, you know, that's where even when it comes to like forgiveness, he was like to the person who is forgiven much will forgive much. It's like this natural process that as we are just overwhelmed by what God gives us, it flows out of us to others. So if like if you struggle to love others, you probably are struggling to receive love from God. Like that's really what it means. The problem is not like you need to get better at loving others. It's like, no, you got to get better at receiving God's love for you because once that love just fills you, 
it's going to be a natural reaction for that love to pour out into the other people in your life. So I would even say it's like, if you're like, no, I'm in God's love. I just struggle to love others. I'd be like, mm, you, you might not be in God's love. Then, yeah. You know? And, and, and so that reciprocal thing really stands out to me. I mean, if you think about in nature, how things work. So like you have the sun providing energy for what's growing on the earth for all the green things are collecting energy from the sun, but they're also releasing um, carbon dioxide, or they're using carbon dioxide, they're releasing oxygen. Yeah. And there, so there's this cycle going on, but like if the sun doesn't shine for a while, things will continue working. But if the sun didn't come out for like three months, yeah. like never came out at all, um, all of a sudden that's not going to work anymore. So it works a little while yeah. by not reciprocating, yeah. but it doesn't sustain forever. Yeah. And I think that's how love works as well. Whether you're talking about between human beings, um, in a relationship, if, uh, you know, a child or a spouse or a friend or whoever, if that love isn't reciprocated for a day, that happens. We yeah. know that a week that happens sometimes but like habitually over a long period of time it's gonna really put a strain on the relationship and it's the same thing between us and god if that isn't reciprocated and so that's why i think love in our world right now you you began this whole series talking about how that word has been hijacked like many words but love has been hijacked we talk about loving oreo cookies yeah um, we say that we love people, but do we even know what love means anymore? Right. And I think a reason why that's gotten so out of whack is because the reciprocal nature of lo- the cycle's been broken. Yes. Yep. And it's created to be a cycle. Yes. And love is love has been made into this thing that like you need to you need to make sure you get yours. Like, like that's, that's really the culture we live in is like, you better make sure you are loved the way you want to get loved and you want to make sure you fight for the love you deserve and things like that. And it's like, that's not how love really works. Love is, is a reaction. Love is something that flows out of us. And it's so much, uh, like I said on Sunday too, it's like, we don't realize that if we don't have the right definition of love, then we, we can't even understand our relationship to God. If, if we make love into something it's not, then we no longer can even understand what it means that God loves us. These, these words are so important for us to let the Bible truly define them for, for what they are. And I think that's what's so dangerous about living in a culture that wants to redefine everything and wants to make tweaks to everything is we don't realize, especially as Christians, how much that that affects just our core relationship with God and and even just how we operate as human beings. These words have meaning and, and they need to stay solid and we need to be able to understand what they actually mean. Yeah. I really like what you said about just how we talk about love. Like it's not a thing talking about love in the context of saying like you must love other people or like forcing it to happen. Like that, that's kind of the approach that society is taking. And I understand the heart of that. I don't want to like downplay that. Um, 
But like that's only going to be so successful because things can't be forced to do things. And nope. especially in a in a cycle or, or a reciprocal system, like things have to I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to think about how that exactly works, but it like things need to be able to receive it. Yeah. Like I guess what I'm where I'm going with that is Easter is an example of Jesus pouring out love mm-hmm. um, without us telling him to do it or without us earning it. Yep. Like, he just did it. That's what makes love so amazing. I mean, there's a hundred reasons why, but one of it is that it it doesn't, it can't be demanded of. It That's is what given I'm trying freely. to say. I think yeah. I, I lost track of what my point was going to be a little bit, but that's exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah. There there are certain things that cannot be... Uh-oh, is that a wrap-up music? It might be. Yeah. <laughs> there are certain things that cannot be demanded of. They have to be fostered. Like, it's, you know, talking about farming, like, you can't go to the soil, plant a seed, and then demand that the seed grow. Right. It's like you have to water it, you have to foster it. There, you have to do the work so that it grows there. And and love is not something that can be demanded. It is something that is given, and um, that's what makes it amazing. Is like we could have never gone to God and demanded that He love us. Like He loved us when we had nothing to offer, and that's what makes it amazing. And that's what makes it one of the few things that will actually last. Is it real love can't be manipulated into it can't be forced it can't be demanded it just grows it's there and it stays and it remains so we're at the 45 minute mark mm-hmm. and now we're going to get to the main point yes exactly it it didn't take us that long so everything that we just said the reason for that is so that you may have joy yes so like we, we kind of started this whole conversation talking about how we tend to get ourselves in a bind or backed into a corner, however you want to mm-hmm. say it, and our joy is stolen from us. Right. And and we put ourselves in the situation where we can't even have joy, and it's like we can't even experience it. We're numbed from it. Yeah. And then we went to just, like, what, what love truly is. Yeah. And... Well, here comes the basketballs outside. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a beautiful sound. That sounds like spring to me. Yeah. And uh, all of this to say, like, the reason for this is this is the key mm-hmm. to unlocking true joy. Absolutely. And I think it, it all does sum up on, like, we should be operating out of love. When you operate out of love, it's not as exhausting. And it's hard to get burned out when what you do comes from a place of love. It's a different energy level. And I think there's a misconception that living a disciplined life is living life where you're always doing what you don't want to do. Where like you're just wrestling with yourself and your heart is like, I don't see value in it, but you're strong enough to force yourself to do it anyways. That's not, discipline is not doing what you don't want to do. It's discipline is doing what you want to do in the future, like what you want the most, you're choosing that over what you want right now. 
You yeah. still do have to fight yourself, but it's always going to be like true discipline is because I see the value long term. There's something big that my heart is going after. I'm not betraying my heart. That's not what discipline is. I'm helping my my heart get what it really wants over what is easy right now. And I think that we need to stop validating and celebrating living lives where you're constantly betraying your own soul. I just don't think that's worth celebrating. And I think we're seeing the fallout of a life like that. That's not real discipline. That's something else. And so that's my my urge to people is operate out of love because that's the stuff that lasts. That's the stuff that matters. Um, I think that's it. I think that's all I can say about it. All right. Well, Lord, uh, your words, so that you may have joy. Let us hold on to those today, especially coming out of Easter, the time that should be nothing but joy. Um, Forgive us for allowing that to get messed up sometimes and for allowing stuff to get in the way. But we just thank you for your words so that you may have joy. And we just ask that you show us ways um, in our own lives that we can pursue that today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.